Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. Here with you today, taking your calls and texts live on the air. I want to say welcome to all of you listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM. We're so glad that you tuned in today. Uh, we also want to welcome those of you listening on our syndicated stations on the East Coast, on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. And also, for those of you listening on our other syndicated station, Truth FM in Tennessee and up into parts of North Carolina and Kentucky. We're so glad that you are with us today. Uh, just a reminder that those listening on the East Coast in the area around Tennessee, you are hearing this program on a one-week delay but we would love for you to call in, and then you get the unique opportunity. You get to tune into the radio a week later and hear yourself on the radio. But for those of you listening here in Colorado and Wyoming on Grace FM, you are hearing the program live. We're broadcasting all the way from Cheyenne, Wyoming, down to Pueblo, Colorado, and uh, we're glad that you tuned in today. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible or things going on in your life. If there's something going on that you'd like to talk about or if you have a prayer request, we would love to talk with you about that, hopefully answer some of those questions you have, and we'd love to pray for you. So do give us a call or text us. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Here at the beginning of the show is always maybe the best time to call in because this is when we generally have um, open lines for a few minutes while we're waiting for people to call in. So now's a great time if you've had a question that you've wanted to ask or a prayer request that's on your heart. We'd love to hear from you and pray for you and answer those questions. Once again, those numbers, 720, I'm sorry, let me start over. Once again, those numbers, the call-in number is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000 and the text line is 720-336-0897. Just a few words about myself. Uh, my name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We meet in downtown Longmont and uh, we're a church that loves Jesus. We love studying the Bible and we have a, a great children's ministry, great worship ministry, and we'd love for you to join us if you're in the area. And just if you're in Longmont and you're looking for a good church that loves Jesus and loves to study the Bible, uh, we'd love to have you come and visit us. Or even if you know somebody in Longmont or if you are in driving distance in Long, uh, from Longmont, we'd love to have you uh, come and worship with us. We meet on, on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m at the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is in downtown Longmont, just one block west of Main Street on the corner of Longs Peak and Kaufman. So Longs Peak Avenue and Kaufman Street. And we're on the northwest corner of that intersection in the St. Vrain Memorial Building, which is located at 700 Longs Peak Avenue. So 700 Longs Peak Avenue, St. Vrain Memorial Building, um, just one block west of Main Street, in downtown Longmont on Longs Peak and Kaufman. So we would love to have you come and uh, worship with us 10 a.m. Sunday morning. 
Uh, we just finished a series this past week uh, that I was really excited about. Um, it was something that I had wanted to do for a while and finally got the opportunity uh, to do it. And it was a, ser a series called Remember the Prophets. And it's, the idea comes from James chapter 5, verse 10, where James tells us to remember the prophets and look to them as examples. And essentially what he's saying there is when we think about the prophets, when we read the prophets, don't just think of what they said, but look at who they were, who they were as people and how they lived out their faith and their time and place and how they are examples for us today. And so what we did for eight weeks is we took a biographical look at the prophets and we looked at them in chronological order. So a lot of great things came out of that. First of all, we got kind of, you know, overviews of what their books were about. Uh, the other part we got was we kind of got the chronological, you know, big picture view of this entire time period that's covered in the prophets, you know, and that that means uh, from the time when uh, the nation of Israel split into a divided kingdom. We, we talked about that and the things that were going on in those kingdoms and then the Assyrian invasion and the Babylonian invasion and then the Persian invasion of Babylon and then Daniel and, and how they came through the through the exile and then back from the exile. And I don't know about you, but for me, that had always been kind of fuzzy, even until a couple of years ago. Like, OK, what how does the what happened when and how does that timeline work? And so going through these uh, prophetic books for the last eight weeks has really uh, helped, you know, a lot of people in our fellowship get a great handle on that period of time. Uh, and so, hey, if you're interested, you know, all of those messages are up on our website. You can go to our website and check them out and download them all for free. Or you can download our podcast. If you are a podcast listener, subscribe and you can just listen to them on your phone. Personally, that's how I like to do it. So I can listen to uh, my sermons at one and a half speed um, because that's uh, kind of how I am. I, I like to go through them fast. So check us out online. You can check out whitefieldschurch.com and whitefieldschurch.com. So on there, you can get information about like uh, where we meet, who we are, what we're about, our values and beliefs and all that. And you can also download all those sermons for free from that uh, Remember the Prophet series. So this past Sunday, we just finished up that series by looking at the prophet Malachi. And right when I was telling the church that that was going to be our last sermon in that series, because of course Malachi is the last of the Old Testament prophets, and... Um, and the last book in the Old Testament, we are having a guest speaker this coming Sunday. And I was talking to him, telling him about the series. He's like, I love the idea for that series. And he goes, I want to do one too. So he asked which prophets I hadn't done. So, that, you know, there's 16 prophets and I did eight of them. So there's quite a few left over. And so he chose Haggai. So this coming Sunday, we're going to have a guest speaker. His name is Frank Cerrone. And uh, he's pretty well known, uh, actually. This is what I found. I mean, I know Frank and I, I love Frank. And I've just come recently to understand that Frank's actually pretty well known, uh, not just in Colorado, but kind of around the country and even around the world. So Frank Cerrone is going to be speaking at Whitefields Community Church this coming Sunday. He's going to be teaching the book of Haggai, uh, just two chapters. So it's a pretty small book, but he's going to be going through that text. And he's got a message called Consider Your Ways. And uh, we'd love to have you come and uh, worship with us. I won't be there this coming Sunday in just two days. I am leaving for Ukraine. So that was something I wanted to share with you guys and ask you to pray for, is that um, I am going to Ukraine uh, this Wednesday because this coming weekend, uh, myself and our worship pastor here at Whitefields are doing a pastors and leaders conference for Calvary Chapel pastors in Ukraine, Belarus, 
Moldova. Uh, I think that covers everybody who comes. Yeah, Ukraine, Belarus, and Moldova. And uh, this is something I've been doing for the last couple of years. I've just been honored with the opportunity to be invited over there to speak to these pastors about leadership and it's kind of like further training for them. So uh, pray for that. God's been doing a great work in uh, Eastern Europe through Calvary Chapel for a really long time, like over 20 years. And, um, you know, I was a missionary in Hungary for 10 years until I moved here to Colorado just a couple of years ago and became the pastor of this church here in Longmont. Uh, before that, I was pastoring in Hungary, and I have uh, a lot of contacts over there still in that region, and so I'm excited to get to go and minister to those guys. So if it comes to your mind, be praying for this Pastors and Leaders Conference going on um, this coming Friday and Saturday, and then I will be back after that. Um, so the number to call is 303-690-3000. 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. This is a show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible, with your prayer requests and things going on in your life. We'd love to hear from you and pray for you and hopefully answer some of your questions. So give us a call. 303-690-3000. Or text us 720 0897. We've got all open lines right now, so it's a great time for you to call in and uh, and get on the air. We'd love to hear from you. Let's go over to our text line real quick. We've gotten a couple texts. Um, let's see. So one person says, I was watching someone the other day who was claiming that Jesus did not come to save the world. His argument was that Jesus only came to save Jews. Yeah, well, that would be incorrect. Um, I could give you several Bible verses. You know, Jesus, for example, begins in John 10 uh, to blow up the paradigm that the Jewish people had. You know, Jesus himself said that he came to speak to uh, the lost sheep of the tribe of Israel. That's kind of a direct quote from Jesus. But he made it clear that he said there are other sheep who are not of this fold and they will be brought in also. He said that in John chapter 10 when he was uh, giving his great discourse about how he is the um, the good shepherd who knows his sheep. But he also said, there are some who are not of this fold and they will be brought in. And what he is speaking of is he's speaking of Gentile believers. Furthermore, um, throughout the New Testament, I mean, it's made very clear that Jesus came, uh, the gospel is first for the Jew, but also for the Greek. And, uh, and then it goes on to make a distinction in, Ephesians chapter 2, for example, where we read that in Christ there is no longer Jew nor Greek. Uh, there is no longer male nor female, no longer slave nor free. In other words, the divisions that divide people and societies in this world are removed within the body of Christ. And we are all on equal footing before the cross, as the saying goes. And so did Jesus come to save all people? Absolutely, uh, he did. That's made clear uh, through his mission. I mean, Jesus himself said, you know, to his disciples, he commissioned them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature and everyone who believes will be saved. That's Mark chapter 16, verse 15. We have places like Matthew chapter 28, the so-called Great Commission, right? Where Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them 
to obey everything I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We have places like Acts chapter 1, verse 8, right, where Jesus tells his disciples, he says, wait here in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. And then we see that the Spirit sends the, the church out into the world with this message. That, and uh, like, for example, Acts 13, again, we see the Spirit sending the, um, the apostles out or the early believers out uh, specifically Paul and Barnabas, calling them to go out into the Gentile world and preach the gospel and plant churches. And just finally, I mean, I would end with this, that in Revelation we see that there are people of every tribe, tongue, and nation around the throne of God in heaven, which tells us that uh, clearly Jesus didn't only come to save the whole world. Uh, he came to save all people. I'm sorry, I, I must have said that wrong. Jesus did come to save the whole world, not just uh, the Jewish people. So uh, sorry that that person was uh, on some video teaching false teaching. That's disheartening. But know that uh, if you stick to the Bible, you're going to be good because the Bible, no one would come away from reading the New Testament thinking that Jesus only came to save some uh, people, meaning only the Jews. So thanks for that question. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live, this is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Let's go to our caller on line one. Garrett in Longmont. Hi, Garrett. Hey, Pastor Nick. Thanks for taking my call. Um, quick question. Yeah, my niece is getting baptized uh, here soon. She's 10 years old. Um, we don't come from a super religious family, but my sister does take them to church. I was curious if you have any uh, recommendations for study material for someone who's freshly baptized and who's curious, you know, who's a child, I guess, curious about the Lord. Yeah, you know, I think the best thing, I'll tell you a few things. 10 years old, hmm. You know, one of my favorite resources, and I read it to my own kids. It might be a little bit, um, it might be a little bit, uh, she might be a little bit beyond the material level, but I'm going to say she's probably not because I don't feel like I'm beyond the material level. And it's the Jesus right. Storybook Bible. Are you familiar with that? Uh, I think I've heard of it, but I'm not familiar with it, no. Yeah, it's a great resource. In fact, I'm part of a uh, a group. We're called, we do this thing called the Expositors Collective. We we do these conferences teaching uh, pastors how to preach. And when we do that, one of the things we hand out is a resource list in which we, uh, you know, give lists of books that we recommend that they read, uh, especially for like Christ-centered preaching. And we actually put the Jesus Storybook Bible on the list because it is just such a good example of how to do uh, Christ-centered biblical teaching in a very concise way. And so I would say she's probably not too old for that. I, I think it's a wonderful book, great resource. And I read it to my kids, and I'm going to be real honest with you and everybody listening. Uh, several times it's brought me to tears. And so that's why I'll say I don't think it's just for kids. I think that this is a, a great resource for everybody. So Jesus Storybook Bible, um, you should be able to find it everywhere. It's very popular. Um, and then the other thing is I would encourage your niece. Uh, I'm sure she has a Bible. But in addition to maybe that book, I would say, uh, you know, encourage her to read certain passages in the Bible that speak about baptism. I would encourage her to read, for example, about Jesus' baptism and the temptation that came afterwards and how he resisted that temptation. So you're going to be going to places like Matthew chapter 4. 
Um, another one would be, I would encourage her to read in Romans, right? Romans 6 really lays out really clearly what the significance of baptism is. So. Right on. Sweet. I appreciate the recommendations. I guess a, a tie-on question to that would be uh, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Could you speak about that? Because that, that is, is that a requisite for being saved, correct? Well, let's put it this way. It depends on what we're talking about. So is it a prerequisite for being saved? Um, I'll tell you this. If you are a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. You are full of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is in you. Now the question is, is that the same as being baptized in the Holy Spirit? And, uh, and that brings up a whole discussion, which, which I'd be happy to have with you, and I, I'll make it as okay. quick as I can. Uh, here's the thing. There's a couple things I want to tell you. One is there are three relationships you can have with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And they correspond with three Greek words, which um, are, are pretty clear. So the, those words are with, in, and upon. So with, in, and upon. The Greek words, uh, I won't even bother with uh, telling you because uh, we can just stick with the English words. So with, in, so this would be like, you'd find this in John chapter 14 and 16. Um, here's the picture. The Holy Spirit is with all people. With all people, convicting those people of sin, righteousness, and judgment. In other words, the Holy Spirit is whispering in their ear, speaking to their heart, however you might put it. But the Holy Spirit is communicating to people that they are sinners, that there is a judgment coming, and that God is righteous, and that they have fallen short of his righteousness. In other words, the Holy Spirit's job is that he's drawing people to uh, repentance and to faith in God for salvation through Jesus. So that's all people. That means your your neighbor who doesn't believe in the Lord, you, you know, your your niece, everybody. Now, then there's another relationship. Jesus says to his disciples during that big discourse that goes from John chapter 13 all the way to John 17, which is uh, the Last Supper discourse. Um, in that section, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm going away, I'll send you the Spirit. And he says, the Spirit, this is the Spirit who has been with you, and the Spirit will be in you. And so he's pointing to a time in the future when the Holy Spirit will not only be with them to convict them of sin, righteousness, and judgment, but will be in them. So that's the second relationship that a person can have with the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit indwells you. And let's say in John chapter 20, verse 21, it says that Jesus breathed on his disciples and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. And so I believe that that's the time because Jesus at that point had died for their sins. He had resurrected from the dead. To, to make a way for them to have eternal life. And now he breathes on them. And I believe that's a fulfillment of what he said earlier when he said the Holy Spirit will be in you. And for us who are believers today, we have the Holy Spirit in us. So like 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, tell us that we have the Holy Spirit within us as a seal, as a promise that we do belong to God. He's put his stamp on us, so to say. He's you know put us, uh, he's put down his down payment on us that, means that he will fulfill his promise to re fully redeem us at the time in the future. And in Romans chapter 8, this is a really important verse for this question you have. Romans chapter 8 tells us that if anyone does not have the Spirit, then they do not belong to God. So that's really important. So if you are a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit within you. If you uh, do not have the Holy Spirit within you, you are not a Christian. 
Now, that brings up the third relationship, and that is the upon relationship. So that's one that we see going back all the way to the Old Testament. We see it with people like King Saul. The Holy Spirit came upon him. We see it with the, uh, uh, the prophets like Elijah and other prophets. The Holy Spirit came upon them. And the purpose of this third relationship, this upon relationship, is that the Holy Spirit comes upon a person for the purpose of empowering them or enabling them to do something God is calling them to do that they can't do in their own strength. And so when we come to the New Testament, we see this again with Jesus, right? When he says, like, like we just talked about a minute ago in Acts 2 and in, uh, I'm sorry, in Acts uh, 1 and in Luke 24, right? Where Jesus says to his disciples, wait here in Jerusalem until you have been clothed with power from on high. And then in Acts 1, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses. So he's talking about that empowering, enabling work of the Holy Spirit. So when you're, when you're talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, I have to ask the question, are you speaking of the uh, in, indwelling relationship? Or are you speaking with the empowering relationship? Um, well, that's what I was curious about, like, as far as salvation goes. Um, okay, so you, for you know, salvation, you, to... you have to have the Holy Spirit in you. But the Holy Spirit comes into you as you uh, believe. But I would say that generally when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, especially like in the book of Acts, right, where we'll see people be baptized in the Holy Spirit and then they'll speak in tongues and worship God and they'll manifest other spiritual gifts. Um, I would say that that falls into the category of the upon relationship. And I would say this, that every Christian experiences the in relationship, but not every Christian continually experiences the upon relationship. And so uh, I don't think that the upon relationship is a prerequisite for salvation, but I think we definitely want to seek it and ask for it, and I believe that God will give it to us. Uh, like Jesus said, right, in, um, was that Matthew 11, where he says, if, um, you know, if anybody asks for, or it's in the Gospel of Luke, I'm sorry, where um, if anybody asks, if, if anybody's child asks for a piece of bread, their father's not going to give them a snake or a rock, right? He's, and in the same way, if we ask our Heavenly Father for the Holy Spirit, he will give it to us. I believe that's speaking of the upon relationship that empowering relationship. That's Luke eleven thirteen, by the way. And so um, all that to say, I don't think it's a prerequisite, but I would definitely, I mean, I think that's a great conversation for you to have with your niece and encourage her to pray for God to come upon her by his spirit and empower her for mission and for his gifting in her life. Yeah, right on. Sweet. Cool. Cool. I appreciate it. Sorry about, the, sorry about making you explain all that. Oh, man, I love talking about that stuff, so I appreciate it. Thanks, <laughs> Yeah, I guess so. All right. Cool, Pastor Nick. Thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You bet. God bless. Bye-bye. Right, bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 0897. Let's go to our next caller, Ken in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Ken. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. I have a. I've read your series, uh, your part three-part series on Bible translations. Yeah. 
And and I have a question about Jesus' half-brother, Jude, where he mentions Enoch. And I understand there's a book of Enoch. And um, my real question is, uh, why is is there, I guess, a mention of Enoch where, if there's a book, why wasn't it included in the canon? Mm -hmm. Or, Or should we read it, look for it, try to learn it? Yeah, so the verse you're speaking of comes from the book of Jude, the epistle of Jude, chapter 1, which only got one chapter, but chapter 1, verse 14. And it says this, um, It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with 10,000 of his holy ones. Okay, why is that included in the Bible if it comes from a book which is not canonical, we would say? Well, the simple answer to that is that there are actually a lot of things referenced in the Bible. Uh, that are actually referencing other written works at the time that people would have been familiar with, yet they were um, not canonical, meaning they were outside of what's considered scripture. So this would be like, in our day, it would be similar to um, the Apocrypha, right? So we have these Apocryphal books. Um, Historically, they have not been considered uh, inspired scripture by the Jewish people, for example, when it comes to Old Testament Apocrypha. Um, but like the books of the Maccabees and things like that, they are still interesting history. So we don't want to just blow them off and ignore them or think that they're evil or something. And and this is particularly for the Old Testament Apocrypha, which it would seem that the book of Enoch belongs to that category as well. Um, Now I'll talk about New Testament Apocrypha in a second because that's a little bit of a different story. But with these Old Testament Apocrypha, you know, they're, they're things that people would have been familiar with. And that's really all it comes down to with the reference there in Jude. These are, uh, this is a writing that people at that time would have been familiar with. And so he's making allusion to it, using it as an example to make his point. But he's not necessarily encouraging people to read it or study it or see it as scripture. Um, so just a little information on the book of Enoch. It is... Um, there are actually several things that claim to be written by Enoch. Enoch, of course, being that person in the book of Genesis chapter 5 who was caught up to God and didn't experience death. And um, most of them claim to be written by him, um, but they're, they fall in the category of what we call pseudo... Um, oh, I don't even know how to read this. Pseudographical. I think that's how you say it. Anyway, the point is that books that claim to be written by somebody, though they probably weren't. And so, you know, there was a process of canonization as to why certain books were included and certain others weren't. When it comes to the Old Testament Apocrypha, which, again, this falls into the category of that, um, the Old Testament Apocrypha is not included in the canon because the Jewish people never considered it canonical. They 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 called them other writings, but they never treated them as Holy Scripture. And so when the Christians came, we kind of inherited uh, this Old Testament canon from the Jewish people, and we took their cues from it, trusting that God had directed them and led them throughout the centuries as to what was Scripture and what was not. When it came to New Testament Apocrypha, though, that's a different story, because whereas some of the Old Testament Apocrypha was written to give history, or wisdom, which we say, okay, cool, this is good history, this is nice wisdom, it's just not inspired by God as scripture. Now, when it came to New Testament apocryphal books, like um, 
you know, different epistles that claim to be written by different people. There are books called like the Acts of Paul and things like that. Most of those books were written for a different motivation. The motivation behind writing them was usually to um, bring in some kind of new doctrine. And, um, and so that's why we're suspicious of those. And they had the Council of Nicaea. Most Christians at the time of Nicaea did not um, trust any of these New Testament apocryphal books, but they wanted to make some definitive statements to say, okay, here's our basis for what we consider canonical and what we don't. So, okay. Well, thank, we're, we're, thank you very much, Pastor Dave. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks for the great question. All right, bye-bye. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church. We are going to break right now, so we've come up on our mid-show break. Hey, give us a call. We've got all open lines. It's a perfect time to call in. Uh, we'll get you on right after the break. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. And we'll be back in just two minutes' time. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. The church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. Give us a call. We'd love to pray for you. We'd love to answer your questions about the Bible or talk with you about things going on in your life. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Uh, we've got all open lines right now. It's a great time for you to call in and get on the air. Again, the number 303-690-3000. Or text us 720-336-0897. So just before the break, we were talking to somebody who had a question about apocryphal... Oh, actually, before that, we had a question about somebody who was talking about the Holy Spirit. What is the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Uh, is it a prerequisite for salvation? So we had a text come in in regard to that, which said this. Um, does the New Testament describe the Holy Spirit being in you and that the Holy Spirit, if it is in you, will never leave you? And they said, you know, can you just talk about that a little bit, please? So well, here's a few things we see about the Holy Spirit uh, being in you. We see that the Spirit can be grieved. We can see that the Spirit can be quenched. So the idea of the Spirit being grieved reminds us that the Spirit is not an impersonal force, kind of like in Star Wars, but the Spirit is a person, person of the Trinity. And so the idea that the Holy Spirit can be grieved, you know, that's just the sense that we do things which, which grieve the heart of God and which grieve the Spirit of God within us. It means that we do things that uh, make Him sad, I guess, for to put it in simple terms. But then quenching the Spirit, that's talked about in First Corinthians, or sorry, First Thessalonians chapter five, and the idea of quenching the Spirit is, you know, it's tied into this idea. He says, "Do not despise prophecies," but then he says, "But test all things." And weigh or weigh all things, test all things, and keep that which is good, and do not quench the spirit. 
So those three ideas are tied together. So what that tells us is that, that what, one of the things that we can do, one of the errors we can fall into, is that we can quench the spirit. In other words, kind of in the sense of like, um, I guess diminishing the work of the Holy Spirit through us or maybe in others. Because, you know, maybe we could even say missing out on the work of the Holy Spirit through us because of our cynical attitude or our lack of faith, right? Saying, oh, I don't know, this stuff is weird or it doesn't apply to today. I believe that's a way that we can quench the Holy Spirit and miss out on the work of the Holy Spirit through us uh, in that way. Now, you asked, your question, though, was, can the Holy Spirit leave you once the Holy Spirit has been in you? I'll tell you this. I don't see any example of that in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Uh, in the Old Testament, right, when, when it talks like David says, take your, not your spirit from me, let's remember that that was in a time prior to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in believers, right? Remember, Jesus told his disciples, the Spirit is with you, but he will be in you. So like when David says in the Psalms, you know, do not take your Holy Spirit from me, I believe that is once again speaking of the upon relationship. See, that was the whole uh, thing that the anointing of kings, priests, and prophets spoke of. It spoke of the Holy Spirit coming upon them to empower them for their particular callings, whether that was to be a prophet, a priest, or a king. A king needed to be anointed by God and given that supernatural enabling from God to carry out that task for his glory. So I believe that David, when he says that, that's what he's speaking of. In the New Testament, we don't see any example of God removing his spirit from somebody. Uh, and, and here's one way I would put it to you. When it comes to this idea of you know losing your salvation... Again, I don't like that term because it sounds passive. It's kind of like, oh, I lost my keys or I lost my kid in the grocery store. It's something that happens to you, but you don't do it on purpose. Uh, I don't think that's how it works with the Holy Spirit. And here's one thing I would just tell you. If you didn't earn your salvation, then you're not going to unearn it, right? If salvation is a gift of grace, which uh, you get not based on merit, then you're not going to lose your salvation based on your lack of merit, so I hope that uh, clarifies that for you a little bit. Um, and uh, I would just encourage you to keep pressing into the Lord and um, and seeking that upon relationship with the Holy Spirit. Um, so thanks for the call. God bless you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got two open lines. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Rudy in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Rudy. Hi. Good evening. Welcome to the program. Thank you. My uh, call today is ask for prayer. We're going to be going on a trip to uh, Nevada, Las Vegas. It's not the greatest place on earth to take my family, but it's uh, for a family function. And I just pray for our safety, getting out there and, you know, keep us away from what's out there, you know. Sure. Yeah, let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I pray for Rudy and his family. I thank you that Rudy is a man who clearly cares about the spiritual well-being of his uh, family. And so, Lord, I do pray that you would watch over them. And, Lord, I thank you that you... We're a God who came into our darkness in order to bring light to us. And you've given us that same mission. And I pray that Rudy and his family, as they go to Las Vegas, they would be able to go there with this missional attitude that says that just, Lord, like 
in the same way that you came into our lives, not worried about uh, being defiled, but coming into our lives in order to bring light that brings life. Lord, I pray that they would carry your light into Las Vegas and, uh, and that life-giving, uh, I guess the, the word would be the, the aroma of Christ, that, uh, Lord, I pray that it would go with them and, Lord, that you would even use them at this family function for your glory. Help them to represent you well. Lord, I pray that you would bless this family, keep them safe on the travel, and also spiritually watch over them, but help them to remember that, uh, that you who are in them is stronger than the one, Satan, who is in the world. And I pray that they would have great confidence as they go, and I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm, I'm going to feel better now. Thank you. Awesome, Rudy. Day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Listen to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. We've got all open lines right now. Please uh, give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. See, just one uh, quick follow-up thought on Rudy's call. You know, talking about Las Vegas being a place full of sin. Of course, it's called Sin City, so that's no small thing. That's it's very true. I'll just say this. You know, I I know a lot of people who live in Las Vegas. I travel through there at least twice a year, and I've spoken at churches in Las Vegas. And here's what I've found is that I've found that Las Vegas is a very um, spiritually vibrant place. So it's it's a real dichotomy, right? Like on the one hand, it's very dark and there's a lot of sin. But on the other hand, there is a real spiritual vitality amongst the believers there that I think is really encouraging. You know, there are some really uh, great churches and ministries in Las Vegas. There's a great Calvary Chapel ministries, um, and there's a great church there called Central, which, which has locations all over the town. And, um, you know, it's a city of two million people. And my friends who live there, they, they tell me that, um, you know, it is, you do have to be careful and, and stay out of the stuff because it'll, it'll draw you in. But if you do stay out of it, there just is a, a real sense of spiritual vibrancy amongst the believers in, um, in uh, Las Vegas. And maybe part of it is that sense that, you know, people who go to Las Vegas, they go there for work or they go to other places and, um, or, or they go for other reasons. But there's there's a real sense of hopelessness I've heard in the city, and and the thing is that when uh, you bring the gospel into a hopeless situation, you know it's been like Jesus said, the person who has been forgiven much loves much, and and I've found that to be true of people I've known in Las Vegas and the Christians I've known there. So I uh, hope you remember that, Rudy, and just go there and be strong. Remember that he who is in us is greater than him who's in the world. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got all open lines once again. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, 720-336-0897. Hey, let me tell you about um, something that I've been up to lately as uh, we wait for some calls to come in. You know, one of the callers earlier mentioned that he had read a series that I wrote. Now, if you're not sure what he was referring to, what he's talking about is that I have a blog that I write, um, and I write 
some you know articles and series about a lot of the same stuff that people call in to ask questions about here on Calvary Live and just other stuff related to culture and things that I'm encountering. And so if you're interested in checking that out, uh, check out nickkady.org. So N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G, nickkady.org. And, you know, you can just kind of browse the different articles. But today I posted one that you guys can actually help me with. I'd love to have your help with it. Uh, what we did is last year we started uh, doing this thing where we would do a series about different things that people struggle with. You might call them hurdles to believing or things that stand as barriers for some people in their minds for uh, really accepting the gospel, embracing the gospel. And so last year we looked at things like, you know, is the Bible reliable? What does the Bible say about, um, you know, it? yeah, first of all, is the Bible reliable? You know, what, what does the Bible say about hell? Does the, do Christians really believe that if you don't believe what we believe, you go to hell? And we, we answered a lot of those questions. Or, you know, how can God be loving if he sends people to hell? Why does God allow bad things to happen? You know, a lot of these questions that people really struggle with. So it was a, it was a huge hit, and it's been just a huge outreach. If, you, if you're interested, go check it out online at whitefieldschurch.com, and then you can go to our sermon section, and under there, if you browse the series, the series was called The Trouble Is. The Trouble Is. And so this year, we're going to do that again. So we're going to do it right after Easter. So April 28th is the Sunday after Easter, and we're going to be doing this series. And this year's series is a little bit different, but it's, it's kind of in the same vein. Uh, this year's series is called I Could Never Believe in a God Who... You know, and you fill in the blank. I could never believe in a God who. And what we're doing is we want to address the the answers that people give to that question. We want to address them head on and say these are the things that people are actually struggling with. And we want to give some real solid and hopefully very helpful answers. And so here's how you can help me. I'm doing a poll. I'm uh, trying to do a poll online. I just posted it today. It's just two questions. Two questions. So what I'd love you for you to do is help me out. I'd love to get as, as big of a swath of people, you know, that, that respond to this poll as I can so I can really get a big picture of what are the things that people struggle with the most. And so I've got listed up there eight things that people might say, and I've also got a fill in the blank where you can say, well, I don't struggle with those things, but I actually struggle with this. And so um, you can find that by going to my website, nickkady.org, so N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. And it's right there on the front page. So, you know, it's this poll, I could never believe in a God who, fill in the blank. And if you just fill that out, it's totally anonymous. Like, I don't want to know your name. I don't want your email address. I just want you to answer those two questions for me. The the one question is, are you a Christian? Because I think that how you answer that, I'm curious to know if you're, where your answers come from. But um, the other one is this, you know, what are the most common ways that you or others you know would finish this statement? I could never believe in a God who, and so here are some possible answers to that. I could never believe in a God who condoned genocide in the Old Testament. Another one is, I could never believe in a God who encourages the suppression of women and minorities. Uh, another one, I could never believe in a God who doesn't affirm some people's sexuality. Uh, another answer, I could never believe in a God who creates hateful and hypocritical followers, or a God who sends people to hell, or a God who allows bad things to happen to good people, or a God who has not proven that he exists, or a God who has given us a faulty Bible. Now, 
I just be clear, I don't believe that the Bible is faulty, but that's something that somebody might say. So if you would fill that out for me, I would love it. It would help me so much as I prepare this series and really want to answer some of the questions that people are really struggling with and asking uh, and just give them some direct and hopefully very helpful answers. So again, you can find that at my website, nickkady.org. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y.org. Thank you for that. Let's go to our next caller, Katie in Greeley, Colorado. Hi, Katie. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? I'm doing great. What's up? Good. Well, I was listening to your um, discussion on the Holy Spirit, the uh, with, in, and upon. Yeah. And it, it brought a question to mind. If, if Everyone has, you said everyone has the Holy Spirit with them. Correct. Right? Yeah. So, So my question is, when a person denies God so many times, like Pharaoh, um, will he at some point withdraw the Holy Spirit from being with them? Yes, I, I do think that's possible. And I don't have a ton of like scriptural support for that, except for very few things. But um, So I'll put it this way. Everyone will experience that at least at the end of their life, right? Like when you die, like the Holy Spirit is no longer going to be able to or going to be working to draw you to salvation. It's kind of done. Okay. Okay, but in this life, can it be that the Holy Spirit uh, stops? I think yes, and I, I do actually have a couple. I have three scripture places where I'll go to for that. The first one is in Genesis chapter 6, where God speaks to um, the people in the time of Noah. He's actually speaking to Noah. It says that God looked on the earth, and he saw the sin that was going on on the earth, and it says that he was grieved to his heart. And he says this phrase where he says, my spirit will not always strive with man. Mm, right. And so I think that that is exactly what we're talking about here, where the Holy Spirit, who is with all people, you know, speaking to them, drawing them, that there comes a time when the Holy Spirit is not doing that. And I don't think that, uh, in other words, it's, it's a grace of God that he pursues us. And grace, by definition, is not a given it's not deserved. It's not something we can take for granted. It's not something he owes to us. Yes. And so he doesn't owe to us to continue pursuing us, continue drawing us, continue convicting us. And so when he removes that, it's not at all unfair of him. It's absolutely fair of him. And he is the one who determines in his sovereign will, you might say, to, uh, to do that when he chooses to do that. I think the Pharaoh example you gave is a perfect example of that, that God says to Pharaoh, you know, okay, you know, you've said no enough, and I'm going to remove the option from you. Um, the other one is, I think, maybe the best text for this conversation, though, is found in Romans chapter 1, where it says that God handed them over to their own desires. Yes. And I, I think that what's being described there is that the judgment of God is essentially when God lets you go, when he's right. no longer going to pursue you by his grace. So a follow-up to that, I guess, would be then, if if the Holy Spirit is, is pulled back away and you're given over to your own depravity, which mm -hmm. I, I know the, the scripture you're talking about, um, is it possible in and of ourselves to receive the Lord without the Holy Spirit? So, in other words, if God withdraws the Holy Spirit from us, from being with us on the deathbed 
or some unforeseen, you know, would the opportunity still be there to accept the Lord, or is is that totally through the Holy Spirit? Well, it is absolutely totally through the Holy Spirit, you know. Okay. Okay. There's this there's this very important verse that says that no one can say that Jesus Christ is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so that I in my opinion that kind of settles that. But I will tell you this that it, it is really hard for us to determine when and if God has done that, right? That right. that's something which we just don't have the perspective to be able to make that determination of whether it's happened or when it's happened. Right. And so we hold on to hope and we continue uh, pursuing people on our end, right? Onto their deathbed. Right. And Absolutely. Be, yeah. yeah. So. All right. Well, that, that answered that. It's just in the times we're in right now, there's so much depravity mm-hmm. <laughs> that I, I just think, oh, my gosh, you know, and so when the conversation came up, that, that raised a question. So thank you very much for your answer. Yeah, you bet. God bless you, Katie. Thanks you too, Pastor. Thank you. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts on the air today. We've got 10 minutes left in the program and a few calls and texts to get to, but we'd love to hear from you. So if you have a question or something to pray for, please give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Lewis in Thornton, Colorado. Hi, Lewis. Welcome to the program. Hello. How are you doing there, Pastor? Doing great. Yeah, um, I, I had a call because, you know, I, I had previously heard Rudy, you know, uh, talking about how he was going to Las Vegas. And, uh, you know, I just, I personally want to just thank God because uh, that's where God touched my life, you know, 20 years ago. And the uh, wow, Holy cool. Spirit came in and just, you know, turned my world upside down and, you know, delivered me from drugs and of all places that me and my family moved to. And that was one of my battles was alcohol. Okay. And God used that city and, and and a powerful ministry there to do a great work in my life. So I, I just want to thank God you know, and praying for you, Rudy. <laughs> mm, right on. Yeah. But uh, what I also called, too, is, um, you know, what brought me up here to Colorado was about four or five years ago was work, you know, because in my line, uh, you know, construction, you know, things get slow and, you know, you kind of, you know, you got to find a job. <laughs> yeah. So that's what brought me out here, and, you know, things are getting slowing up a little bit, thank God I'm working, but I just, I need prayer for direction, you know, uh, for me and my, my wife, because, uh, you know, uh, we just, we, we want to follow the Lord and what He wants, you know, and, uh, you know, we're praying that if God wants us to stay out here, then He'll open a door, and then uh, if it's elsewhere, you know, because uh, they keep telling me there's more work in Vegas, so... <laughs> Okay. We talked, you know, ironic enough, we talked about it. We're like, well, are we going backwards here and thinking like this? <laughs> well, you know, I don't think that moving moving back somewhere where you've lived before necessarily means you're going backwards. So, um, you know, like we said earlier, there are some really great fellowships. There's a ton of spiritual vibrancy among the Christian community in Vegas. So let me just pray for you, Lewis, that God would uh, direct you. 
So let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for my brother here, and I just ask that you would direct him and where he should go and what he should do for his family. I pray for him that he would have work, or that he would have a great church body where he can grow and uh, grow in the knowledge of you and your word. And so, Lord, I, I just pray, direct him, lead him, guide him in Jesus' name. Amen. Lewis, thank you for your call. God bless you. Sure. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie. We've got a few minutes left in the show. I've got a few that I want to get to. Uh, so hopefully let's do this. Let's start here. Uh, we got a text message asking about the history of purgatory. Uh, and here's the, here's the answer to that. Where, where did the doctrine of purgatory come from? It did not come from the Bible, nor, not from the Old Testament, nor from the New Testament. Uh, it came about, actually, some, some people would say it came about during the Middle Ages. I, it's, that's not exactly the case. It really came about uh, during what you might call the intertestamental period, the time, uh, the 400 years between Malachi and Matthew, that time which is also called the silent period. It's also uh, during that time was the period of the Maccabean revolt. And really this idea of purgatory came about from Greek pagan philosophy. Greeks believed in something, you know, cleansing fire that after you died that your spirit could be cleansed from your sins. And that idea was adopted first in the Judaism and then by some Christians. But it's very important to note that it was never included in any of Jesus' teachings nor in the teachings of the apostles. But it was what we would call in our day folk religion, right? In other words, these are the things that people believe even if they're not uh, explicitly taught by the scriptures. And so it's kind of an evolved mythology, I guess you could say. Um, and, and over time in the Middle Ages, it was codified in the sense of like it was accepted by the medieval Catholic Church, especially for the purpose of uh, differentiating themselves from the new Protestant movement. So that's kind of the history of it. And I don't think you should believe in it. I think the scriptures make it very clear that Jesus has paid the price for our sins once and for all. And that, you know, purgatory in a sense says that you have to pay the price for your own sins, which is absolutely antithetical to the gospel. Let's go to our next caller, uh, Scott in Maryland. Hi, Scott. Welcome to the program. Scott, are you there? All right, let's go to Chastity in Denver. Hi, Chastity. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are, are you? Doing great. What's up? Um, so I just kind of had a, I, I don't know if it's really a quick question or not, but um, my husband and I go to a non-denominational church, okay. and we've heard some things about speaking in tongues, um, and, but never actually really have seen it in person. And then we visited another a church um, down the way. So we, we went in and we visited the church, and there was a couple of people in there, you know, kind of like speaking in tongues. But we really didn't know, like, how all that is really, how it all is supposed to really play out. Like, isn't there supposed to be somebody there to interpret it? Or yeah, how does that really work? So this is laid like, out. How do we know if it's real? Right. Yeah. So here, this is laid out really clearly in First Corinthians chapter 14, like the whole process for it. And it says this, that, you know, Paul is kind of, uh, I guess, contrasting prophecy and tongues. Right. And he's saying, you know, the <laughs> Corinthians, although they were very carnal, they're also, you know, abounded in spiritual gifts. And so uh, they spoke in tongues and they uh, prophesied. And he says, hey, look, if you got to choose between the two. In your public gatherings, I want to see the gift of prophecy in use because the prophecy 
builds up the whole church. A person who speaks in tongues, he says, it's a good gift, but it is a gift which only builds up the person who speaks in tongues unless, he says in chapter 14, verse 5, unless somebody interprets so that the church may be built up. And so I guess to put it really concisely, Paul is essentially saying that a person who prays in tongues without an interpreter is selfish in a way in a public gathering. Um, that That is not the place for it in a public gathering unless there's an interpreter. And then when he says that, he says, look, if there's an interpreter, then I, I would limit the amount of time you do it. You know, let there be uh, two or three people max who speak in tongues with and let there be interpretation but he says and let all things be done in an orderly way so this would be found in first corinthians chapter 14 verse 27 is where he says that he says let there be two three at most in turn and let someone interpret in other words not just people speaking at tongues in tongues at random but he says let there be order and his point here is that god is actually glorified in order that order is not antithetical to the work of the spirit that's really important for us to remember and he says this in in verse 32 of chapter 14 remember the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets god is not a god of confusion but of peace his point is this that it's not that the holy spirit comes upon somebody and they can't help but speak out loud in tongues that's not how it works you can uh, restrain yourself, right? You can choose to do it or not to do it. And so I would just say, I, I don't think that that's a good practice. I think it's directly going against what's written here. And, and their argument might be, well, look in the book of Acts chapter two, uh, it says that they were all speaking in tongues and people understood them. Yet that's actually a little bit different because they were speaking in known languages. Um, and so, you know, Paul, for example, in, First Corinthians 13 that, I'm says, sorry, that was Acts 2? Yes, yes. Uh, and there he says, you know, in First Corinthians 13, if I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but do not have love, you know, I'm a, I'm a sounding gong and a clanging cymbal. His point is that there's, there's different kinds of speaking in tongues. There's speaking in tongues, which is in known languages. There's speaking in tongues, which is in so-called the tongues of angels, which would be like a, a language which is not a known human language but perhaps a prayer language like Paul talks about in Romans 8 also. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you for your call. I've got to let Thanks. you go because we're at the end of our show. Uh, you've been listening to Calvary Live. My name is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. Thank you for tuning in today. Tune in to Calvary Live every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. God bless you and have a great evening. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.